0: welcome you to Bible class, and all those that are listening, as well as all those that are here at St. Paul's, and we're continuing our study of Romans today, as we'll finish up Romans chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse uh, 22 in a minute, but I want to touch on something we talked about last week just at the end, because uh, Lois had asked the question about what about when Abraham went into Hagar and had uh, Ishmael? Was not that a true mark that he was not trusting in God's promise? I don't think so. Because of this, God had promised him that he would have a descendant, many descendants, but God had not revealed how he was going to do it. The custom of the day was, when the wife was barren, the maid was the next in line. Abraham would not necessarily doubt the promise of God, but simply wonder, is this the way God's going to do it? So I don't think it was really a time of doubt, but just trying to discern how God's going to do this. In fact, he believed Ishmael was his descendant and begged God to bless him, and God said, I'll bless him, but he's not the guy. You're going to have another son, okay? And it's going to be God's doing with your wife, Sarah. So um, I think that's at the heart of uh, what's going on there. Now, I want to go to verse uh, 22 at the end of chapter 4. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for all ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. All right, there's a lot there. This is where Paul makes the leap. Paul makes the leap and basically says, Abraham's faith is the Christian faith. They're not different. They're not different. It was not for his sake alone that it was counted to him, but for ours also it will be counted to us who believe. And then he mentions the resurrection twice, and that's kind of important because, you know, the resurrection is the basis of the Christian faith. Now, I know that we always talk about the, the cross of Jesus Christ and how he paid for our sins, and that he did. But if he had died on the cross and did not rise from the dead, it's irrelevant that he died on the cross. Because God did not accept the sacrifice that he made. The resurrection is the key here. And so that's why it's mentioned twice. And notice that last verse where it says that he was delivered up for our transgressions and raised uh, for our justification. The first part refers to his death. He was raised, he was crucified, and that paid for the sins. But his resurrection from the grave is God's absolution on the world that he had accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made and all sins were forgiven. So he paid for the transgressions, and then, through his resurrection, God declared, all sins are forgiven. So both are very important. Both are very important. Now, um, questions, anything else about chapter 4 before we move on? All right, therefore, since we are justified from faith, now let me talk about the word first of all, therefore. It is a very important word because what's being said is, therefore, which means? Take everything I've told you in chapter 1 to 4. Everything. You're not going to be able to understand chapter 5 unless you build on chapters 1 to 4. Therefore, your understanding of chapter 5 on is dependent on Chapters 1 to 4. Take what I've said in chapter 4, 1 to 4, therefore, because of all this, we can say this. We can say this. All right. So, since we have been declared right with God from faith, it's usually by faith. But the preposition here is definitely from. And it's better translated that way because it's emphasizing that to be declared right with God is from faith, not from works. So it's better to take it as from faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let's talk about peace. Peace is not something we generate or cause. The peace we have with God is because of God's initiative. He made it happen. It's not from us. Our peace with God results from justification. That we are declared right with God. We are at peace with God instead of his enemies. Peace is a positive word. What's the opposite? War. We're no longer at war with God down farther, he's going to use other words that would make us realize at one point we were. We have peace with God instead of being his enemies by God's action. It's a result of God's graciousness and his favor. It is not something we can make happen ourselves. So God takes the action to make peace with us who were at war with him and enemies. God does it. Therefore, we can feel a sense of peace because of what God has done. Because of what God has done. And notice, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about that phrase later. Now, two. Through whom we have obtained and retained access. Access. Now, why am I saying obtain and retain? It's because of the verb tense in Greek. It means it's continuing. It's not a one-time thing. It's continuing. Access to what? Access by faith into this grace. Okay. This grace in which we stand. Now, we've got, to, we've got to finish the verse before we can figure out what this grace is actually referring to. In which we stand, and how many of your translations say rejoice? The word is boast. The word is boast. We'll talk about that. And boast in the hope of the glory of God. All right, now let's go back. Through whom we have obtained and retained access by faith, to this grace, okay, in which we stand and boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this grace is God's work, it's not ours. It's not ours. Grace is access to God's undeserved kindness and favor through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have access to his undeserved love and favor. Okay? You have access. Uh, another way to, to say... Uh, uh, to to translate this word access would be, you have a way of approach. A way of approach. We were unable to approach God because of our sin. By faith in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, so we have a way of approach to God and his undeserved kindness and favor. Okay? So that's the grace in which we stand. In other words, we're now in a sheltered, safe place. A sheltered, safe place. God is the one that placed us on our feet by justification. By His justification, He placed us on our feet in a safe, secure place in His grace. In His grace. In the hope Of the glory of God. All right, let's talk about the word hope. Hope is many times, uh, we we don't, when we think of hope in our society, I I hope I get uh, uh, a new car. It's a wish. Okay. It's a wish. Hope does not have that kind of meaning in the Bible. Because the word hope is always aligned with faith. Hope in the Bible has the sense of assurance... And certainty, the blessed hope of eternal life. Okay? The certainty, the assurance of eternal life. So when we read the hope, uh, the word hope" in the Bible, we need to be thinking more of confidence and certainty the confidence and certainty in the glory of God. Now, what is that? Well, we have to go back to chapter 3. All of uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now we're talking about getting the glory of God back. And what it means is, that we're going to have the experience of his image and presence. Adam and Eve knew the glory of God. He walked with them in the garden. He was present with them. We are now going toward that kind of experience with God our image, the image of God will be restored in us and we will be in his presence forever. So we are looking forward to the certainty of being restored to the image and presence of God. That's what's being said here. Restored to the image and uh, presence of God. So it's a packed full verse, packed full verse. Verse three, verse three and four go together. Not only this, but, oh, we need to talk about the word boast. Um, the translators put rejoice because they're trying to get it across that we rejoice in what God's doing for us. But the actual word is boast. We are boasting of what God has done for us. We boast. Not in what we've done, but in what God's done. And the word rejoice, they're trying to capture that a little more difficult concept, but the word is actually boast. Yeah. Okay. Um, to rejoice in the glory of God or to have hope in the glory of God is to have the assurance and the confidence that we're once again going to be in the image of God and In his presence, in his presence. All right, verse three. Not only this, but we boast. Your translations say, rejoice. We boast in. Afflictions, some say afflictions, tribulations, suffering. The, uh, one way to translate all those words is pressures. You're under pressure. Affliction, suffering, tribulation, under pressure. Okay? Not only this, but we bro- boast in pressure. Knowing that pressure produces or works patient endurance. Okay. So, he is reminding us that this is not a piece of cake. That when we are justified and we stand in his grace, There are going to be pressures in our everyday lives. Those pressures have a purpose to develop in us patient endurance. Don't ever pray for patience. Don't ever pray for patience. You know what God's going to do to you to make you patient? The fact is that things we go through in this life are the very things that bring us to patient endurance. Now, He's going to build on that. He's going to build on that. There's more. Okay. Patient endurance. Okay. And patient endurance, the best way to translate this next word is tested character. And tested character then produces hope. All right. Tested character. That's the outcome. Tested character simply means that he's going to, through the process of these pressures in your life, test you to validate the character, your character, that is in hope. So let's put the whole thing together. Let's let's tie it all together. What he's saying is: all right, you're standing in hope. You're now going to endure pressures, tribulations, uh, suffering, and those pressures are going to work in you patient endurance and the tested character. And what's the final final thing God wants to work in you through tested character? That even and in spite of all you go through, you are going to still have the hope and the certainty of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's what's going to get you through the pressures and the tribulations because you're going to know that through those, your hope, your faith is strengthened That faith and hope knowing that all of this is going to come to an end and you're going to inherit eternal life. Eternal life. So it's a process, yes. (laughs) They do. They build it up. Uh, uh, you know the the time of testing that the children of Israel were in the wilderness was also that time of testing. Um, Elijah, living by the brook Kidron for years, uh, at God's direction, was a time of testing. Uh, Jesus' own temptation for 40 days. It's throughout the Bible. And we read about Elijah today when he was taken up to heaven. Uh, That guy was, he had a strong will. I mean, he he fled from God uh, when Jezebel threatened his life after the prophets of Baal were were, uh, he destroyed the prophet of Baals, Baal, and then he immediately fled. And I find it very, very funny. He fled about 300 miles south. And when God showed up, what were his first words? Go back. Okay? Just walk yourself right back up there. So there are times of testing for everybody, everybody, and but they are for a purpose, they are for a purpose, all right, questions, comments, okay, so she was in nursing school and And couldn't quit because she owed her 100 grand. That'll work, patience. To stay in school. What? That's right. What have you been through in your life to make you stronger? (laughs) All right, I saw another hand. Yes. Oh. Yes. And how we live now. As we go through those trials and tribulations, and you see other Christians go through those trials and tribulations, what does it do for you? Strengthens your faith. It leads you to say, "Okay, if they can do this, so can I." So can All right, number five. And hope does not, uh, let's see, hope uh, does not uh, put us to shame, it says, put us to shame. Because the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Okay. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope is not going to lead us to shame. In fact, it's just the opposite. When on the last day our hope is revealed, it's going to be just the opposite. But notice how it says the love of God is poured out And it's the implication of continually poured out, okay? Poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, when we put all that together, we see baptism. The poured out imagery, the poured out imagery the holy spirit which is given to us peter said on pentecost repent and be baptized every one of you and you will receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the holy spirit they are linked so we believe that this emphasis on the pouring out is baptism now when we talk about baptism and the word Let me talk on that just a minute. God works through means. Okay? He works through means. So when he wants to discipline children, he works through the means of parents when he wants to bring peace, he works through the means of government. When he wants to work healing, he works through the means of uh, 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 doctors and medicine. He works through means to give us grace. In other words, he works through means to give us the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. Now, there are three means that we talk about. The Word, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. But I want to get more specific. there are two of those that are initial means. If you want to, initiative means. And that's the word and baptism. We don't find in Scripture the promise that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit through the Lord's Supper. We receive the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of faith, but that's why we don't give the Lord's Supper to anyone that hasn't been baptized. So there is... Uh, the initiative, the initial workings of God's grace through the hearing of the Word and baptism. And then there is the means of grace for those who are in the faith, which is the Lord's Supper. We're fairly confident that this, due to the 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 poured out in our hearts and the spirit that he's referring to the pouring out of grace in baptism. So, let's look at verse 6 through 8. Now, there's three, two words used over and over again in these three verses. Over and over again. Each verse in Greek ends with Christ died. 6, 7, and 8. In these three verses... The preposition is used that means in behalf of. And that's used four times. So the emphasis is going to be Christ died in behalf of. It's all over these three verses. All right. So. Christ while we were still or we were weak at the right time died for the ungodly. Okay? When we were weak not when we were strong not when we had made ourselves strong but when we were Weak at the right time, at the right moment. This reminds us of that verse in Galatians. When the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son. At the right moment, God's timing, Christ died for us being weak, In behalf of the weak and in behalf of the ungodly. And we've talked about that ungodly in the past. We've talked about it. It means everybody. Even the worst of the worst. Now let's look at seven. Because there's more here. For one will... Scarcely die for a righteous person, though so perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Okay. All right. So again, all right. Again, there's being a a, a comparison is being drawn here. And that comparison is between what we would do and what Jesus did. And they're polar opposites. They're polar opposites. We might die a righteous person, or for somebody that's done good to us, and actually the words there mean uh, are brave enough to die for the good person, might be brave enough to die for the good person, but, per se, God demonstrated. His love for us in that Christ, while we were sinners, died in our behalf. Now, this is a very important concept because... This shows us God's grace. It shows us God's grace. Because notice how it doesn't say, after we cleaned up our act, Christ died for us. After we stopped all that sinning, Christ died for us. while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, in our behalf. And in our, our, our behalf, in our present sinful condition, He was willing to die for us. Willing to die. So, very powerful verses here. Very powerful verses. Comparing what we would do with what Jesus did for us. All right. Verse uh, 9. We go on. Since therefore, just like the opening verse, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. By his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. All right, so there's two concepts here. We've been Justified, right? We've been justified. Declared right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's more. Now he's going to save us from the wrath of God. And some of your translations will actually say, will save us. Because what's being talked about here is, the full wrath of God has not yet been revealed. It is only revealed at the last day. God is not pouring out his full wrath upon us now. He is not. He will only do that at the last day, and then Jesus will see that we are saved from the wrath of God on the last day. On the last day. Now, verse 10. For if while. We were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Okay? All right, a new gospel metaphor. Up until this time, we have been dealing with justification. Declared right with God. Now Paul introduces a new, a new um, gospel metaphor. Another way to describe the gospel. It's multifaceted. There are many ways to describe it. Now he uses the term reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It means that two enemies make peace. Two enemies make peace. And that leads us back to the second verse, where it's a first verse where it says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Because he has reconciled the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Because God has reconciled us, again, it's God's doing, God did it, we have peace with God. We are no longer enemies, we are no longer at war, we have peace. Between God and us. Okay? And He did it through the death of His Son. Through the death of His Son. Alright. Now. Um, verse 11. Verse 11. More than that. We also rejoice, guess what the word is, boast in God. We boast not in ourselves, we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation is also based on what Christ did. Not only justification, but reconciliation. Okay? Now, notice the phrase, through our Lord Jesus Christ, is the same as verse 1. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the end of the chapter, it ends with, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is repeated three times in this chapter to remind us that God's grace and His work is through the work, person and work of Jesus Christ our Lord. It doesn't come to us any other way. And Paul says it three times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over. Okay? So, that's how this section ends. Uh, Section 12 through 21 is a unit. And I don't want to jump into that today because... We want to consider it as a unit, and not as a separate, um, not as a separate, uh, or, or chop it up in pieces. So we've got five minutes for questions. Yes, Mark. I would say through. I mean, for the sake of we know what that means, uh, but through, uh, usually the way we say it is we're saved by grace through faith for Christ's sake. So uh, I I think they both mean about the same thing, but um, here it's saying through. can't boast privately. That's right, you boast in God. You know, uh, how are you doing today? I'm blessed. That's a boasting in God. Okay? You can say all all kinds of things. Your, Your boast is in God and what He's done for you, not in yourself. Not in yourself. Death. That's right. It's not works lest any man should boast. We dare not boast. And Paul earlier in Romans says, we can't boast in ourselves. We only boast in God, and, and so it gives a little different nuance than rejoice. Okay, than rejoice, we boast in our God and what He's done for us. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me see if I can find that exactly. Well, I'm not finding it exactly, but it says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, we we had no reason, and Paul did not boast in himself. He boasted in what God had done for him and through him. Yeah. Yes. It, it does, if only the young people would listen. My mother always said, I wish I had the wisdom I have now when I was young. And that's true. That's true. Okay, well, it's time to close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.